I want to kick off today is in Luke chapter number five. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can take them out real quick. You can uh, turn the pages if, you, if your Bible does still have pages. Those are becoming a little bit rare these days. Just so that you know that I have one, here it is. Okay, I do, I do own actually a couple of Bibles. And, um, and so you can take out your Bibles, go to Luke chapter number five. I'm just going to read this story. Um, about what happens in Luke 5. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats. Jesus saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus is in this space. He's preaching this Thousands of people crowding around him, and he, he creates this kind of makeshift floating stage for himself where he is sure to not be crushed. And so he gets into the boat, and it happens to be Simon Peter's boat, and he says, hey, can you just push out a little bit from the land? And he pushes out a little bit, and Jesus uses the platform of this little boat to preach the gospel to all those that are standing there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners to the other, in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled up both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of men. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This powerful moment that Jesus steps into the boat of these disciples and, and begins to show prophetically what it is that he has called them to do. And we're going to talk a little bit about this today as we talk about our vision, as we talk about God's vision for your life, God's vision for our church, the direction we believe that he's leading us in and the faith that we have in the things that God has called us to. Um, so let's just go ahead and pray together this morning as we get into that. Father, we thank you so much this morning that you are so faithful that we can just depend on your presence this morning, that we can just trust in your goodness, that we can just know that you are here with us, God, and that you are leading us and speaking to us. And we pray, God, that you would impart a vision for each of us, Lord God, for our own lives, Lord, that we would begin to trust in you in a brand new way, in a bigger way than we've ever trusted before. And, and as a church, God, that we would be able to look to you this morning, Lord God. And I really pray, Father, that the, the vision of Anchor Church wouldn't just be something that the leadership sits with, but God, something that you impart into us as a community, that every heart will be filled with, with a passion to see uh, lives changed and people reached. And we thank you, God, for this great calling that you have for us and that we have the opportunity to obey. We have the opportunity to follow. We have the, the opportunity to be a part of this grand narrative of redemption here in our city. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. So have you ever had one of those moments in life where you realize my life will never be the same again? Come on, how many of you have had, uh, my, I know from this moment on, 
my life will never be the same again. And it might have been the moment when uh, you met for the first time the person that you would eventually marry or that you, that you are married to right now. Like the first time that you met them and you're like, okay, that's it, I'm done, uh, it's finished. I, my life will never be the same again from this moment on. Some of you are like, some of you are single and you're going, I, I still want that moment, Jesus, please, for my life at some point. And, um, and that's one of those moments when you meet that person, you go on that first date and you kind of recognize, hey, this, this is a game changer. Like everything is different now or or, or maybe if you're a parent, it's the first time you laid eyes on your baby boy or, or your baby girl. I remember when Eli was born, our first boy, after waiting on God for so many years and struggling to have kids, and that little boy was born, and I remember walking over to him. The nurses were busy with him, but I couldn't care who was standing. I, everybody just was like blurred out of the scene, and it was just this little baby boy, and I walked up to him, and I was like, hello, my boy. You know, and, uh, and that's still the way I greet him every morning when he comes into the room, even though it's like 4.30 a.m., I'm like, hello, my boy, you know? And uh, you just realize in those moments that my life will never be the same again from this moment onwards. Like, everything is different. It might have been for you when um, you moved to a new city or when you started the job that really set you off in the direction that you wanted your career to go or when you met a new friend or sometimes the things that affects our lives in a way that changes it uh, for the rest of our lives is something that, that could not always be so easy. Sometimes we go through difficult things and we realize uh, I, I'm past a certain point now and my life will never be the same. Uh, it, 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 um, we hope and we, we work and, and believe um, in the good things that God has in store for each of us. We believe that there is hope and that's the message of this church is that regardless of how difficult the things have been in your life, Regardless of how broken it might have been, we believe in a God of restoration. We believe in a God who restores marriages. We believe in a God who restores families. We believe in a God who restores relationships. We believe in a God who rekindles fires that may have gone out in our lives and in our hearts where we're like, is, this, is my life going on a downhill like spiral? Is this just gonna go down and down and down? Like, where is this gonna end? We believe that God has got more for all of us. The Bible says he lifts us up out of the pit. He lifts us up. He is the, the lifter of our heads. When we're looking down, when we're focused on our own steps, when we're focused on our own issues, God takes us by the chin and he just lifts you and he says, fix your eyes on me. I have more for your life. And so we have gone through these moments where we, we, we realize that there's no turning back from here. We, our lives will never be the same. And these are such key moments in our lives. Often when we look back at them, it's normally only looking back in our lives where we can see the hand of God in every process. Whether it was an easy, whether it was something good, or whether it was something really difficult. In the end of the day, it all becomes good. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But sometimes when you're in it, when you're going through it, it's difficult to see or to recognize whether God is really with you in the moment. But when you get through that and you turn around, you go, oh my goodness, this is what God was doing in those moments. This is where He has brought my life. This is what He taught me through that. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit was, was doing on the inside of me. And God does these expensive things in our hearts and in our lives. When we look back, we can recognize God's involvement. We can see his fingerprints all over our lives. We can hear his voice as he narrates our story. And we can hear God beginning to speak, not only showing us how he was involved in the past, 
but how he is leading us in the future. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, this is incredible scripture that says that you will see your teacher. Even through the difficult things, even though you may have been eating the bread of adversity and drinking the water of affliction, you may have been going, but listen to that symbolism that Isaiah used. When you were going through something difficult, you were being fed. When you were going through affliction, you were being refreshed. And then he says, and you will see your teacher. You will see that God was actually feeding you through your difficult situation. You'll see that God was actually watering you and, 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 and refreshing you through your affliction, through your hardship. And now you come to a place where you're able to see who Jesus is. You can actually recognize the involvement that he has in your life. And then it says in Isaiah 30 verse 21, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God leads us into the future. He leads us. He speaks into our hearts. And so God has this way, and I'm very grateful for this, of disrupting our ordinary, ordinary lives. Because the problem with humanity, and I remember C.S. Lewis writing about this and saying the problem with humanity isn't that we, that we are uh, uh, you know, overly ambitious or, or dream too big. The problem is, is that we think too small. That's our biggest problem. And so even when it comes to our faith, we settle for a Sunday religious process as opposed to trusting God with all of our hearts. God wants us to dream big. God wants us to think big. God wants us to know what he has in store for us because he doesn't want us to be consumed by ordinary. Now, we all have ordinary in our lives. And I think it's good to have ordinary. Sometimes when I've had something extravagant or, or a really busy time, even though it may be very exciting, sometimes I'm like, hey, I just want to go home and have some routine. Has anybody ever felt that way? Like you come back from a great holiday and you're like, that was awesome, but can I just have a couch and a TV and a cup of coffee just for a couple of weeks now, you know, and, and just kind of go through my daily routines again. We, there's ordinary is, we, we're able to see the glory in the ordinary and, and to see God's hand in the everyday things that we go through, but God doesn't want us to be consumed by the ordinary. He doesn't want us to be consumed with what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear and, and the worries and the cares of life. He wants us to have our eyes looking towards the big things that he has in store for us. We can get fooled by what's temporary in life. The things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. And God has eternal, an eternal story that we get to be a part of. And that's the thing that we said when we planted Anchor Church. We said we get to be a part of God's story of redemption. The book of Acts ends in chapter 28, but it doesn't end. We're still living it today. And if the book was still being written today, our names would be down there. Anchor Church would be in there. What we're doing would be in there, and we all get to be a part of it. We all get to be a part of the story as God causes his, his redemption to roll out through the ages and through the generations. And, and, and so the devil's biggest uh, attack on our lives is actually to get us so settled in the ordinary that we no longer recognize what God wants to do. We can get wrapped up in it until Jesus begins to speak to us. There's a moment that comes for you. This is one of those moments where, where everything changes, where life changes forever. The moment that Jesus begins to speak to you, when you encounter him. 
in Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus is preaching to the crowds and recognize this. If we go back there, if I just go back there for one, one moment, it says that as Jesus um, was speaking, um, he saw two boats by the lake, so he's ready to preach, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So they're not even listening. <laughs> Jesus is there. Thousands of people have come to hear him. I mean, they've literally trekked across the hills to come and hear Jesus. But these fishermen are caught up in the ordinary. They're just washing their nets. Hey, we're just going through the motions, man. We need to fish again. We've been fishing all night. We're tired. You know, uh, we, we, we've heard this Jesus guys is here. There seems to be a bit of a, a hype around him. Not sure what that's all about. We've got to wash our nets because tonight we've got to go out again. They're just caught up in the ordinary. Simon's not even listening at this point. He's washing his nets. And let me tell you, I've been fishing. There's nothing glamorous about washing a net, okay? It is exceptionally ordinary to be washing fishing gear um, at sunrise. And then something happens. Then one of these key moments that changes his life forever, Jesus gets into his boat. Jesus gets into his boat. And I love that. You know, sometimes we think that it's our job to get to God. And people say, I found God. But the truth is, is that God found us. The truth is, is that he is the one who stepped out of heaven. He is the one who died on the cross. He's the one who expressed himself to us and revealed himself to us. God is the one who finds you. We're not the one who finds, who find God. And so Jesus gets into his boat, and, and this was a prophetic statement that he was making to Peter, where he said, Peter, I'm not just here to change your life, I'm not just here to save your life, I'm not just here to do something in your life, but I am going to use your life as a platform to preach the gospel. I'm going to use your life as the, the platform upon which I will make my goodness known. And I believe that God has the same for our lives. He steps into our lives because he wants to do something through your life. He wants to use your life as a witness, as a testimony that can affect the lives of those around you. He uses it as a platform and, and, and he uses, and this is the great thing about it, the good and the bad. Some people are like, oh, if Jesus is gonna use me, he can use my good stuff and the rest I'll have to hide so that people don't think I'm fake or a hypocrite or whatever else. And so at Anchor Church, we made that decision is that we're going to allow God to use every part of our lives. And so when I struggle, and I have at times struggled and stood in front of the church and said, hey, I'm going through a difficult time in this area, or I'm struggling with this. And, and you'll hear me, like we, we talk about that because we know that God is able to use even the difficult areas, even the areas that we don't have down to preach the gospel. I want to encourage us to allow God to work in and through every part of our lives. When Jesus steps into your life, it's, it's, it's one of those moments that changes everything. And when that happens, we're awakened to the more that God has created us for. Do you believe this, this morning that God has created you for more? More than just the ordinary? More than just washing of nets? But to be a part of something that will ultimately shape a city. To be a part of something that would influence and change lives. To be a part of something that is worthwhile, that is full of meaning, that is full of purpose. The Bible says that when God called Paul, 
when he was still known as Saul, and he sent Ananias to pray for him, and he gave uh, Paul his calling in that moment. It says that something like scales fell from his eyes. And that's what happens when you meet Jesus. Ananias actually means, the word Ananias means grace. When the grace of God puts its hands on your life, it's like your eyes open up and you realize what God has for you. Let me tell you something. Religious principles won't open your eyes. Religious programs won't open your eyes. Good living and, and, and moral codes won't open your eyes. It's when the grace of God lays its hands on you that everything changes. It's from that moment that you are awakened and you receive your sight. It says, and when he had finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking in this boat, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So here, Jesus goes from preaching to the crowd to speaking to Peter or to Simon Peter in that moment individually. And that so happens to us. I can so see how this whole process um, is the same in our lives because, because sometimes you come to church and you go, oh, uh, you know, God is speaking to everybody and this is kind of applicable vaguely to me or maybe not or it goes for everybody. But there's a moment that happens where God goes from speaking, this is how much I love the world to this is how much I love you. I died for the sins of the whole world to I died for you. And it becomes personal. It becomes real to you. It becomes your life. It becomes your story. It becomes your calling. So it says that Simon answered and said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We toiled all night and took nothing. He's like, Jesus is like, I have a calling for your life. And you know what we do so often? We go, you know what? <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. I've tried to be good already. Like, I've, I've tried to be successful. I've tried to make a difference. I've tried to live for others. I've tried to not be selfish. In fact, I've worked all night on this. But he recognizes something in Jesus there. And he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word, I will let down the nets. And that's the moment of faith. He had just enough faith in that moment to go, you know what, I've tried. I've tried to serve God. I've, I've tried to do what God called me to do. I've tried to be faithful, but okay. If the gospel says that God has this for my life, I'll try. I'll try and put my faith in what Jesus has done and what Jesus is telling me to do. And so it says, um, as he had done that, as he lets down his nets, all of a sudden they enclosed a large number of fish. This incredible catch, this miraculous catch. Literally, they've fished all night, and now all of a sudden, um, you know, their, their nets are so full that his nets begin, begin breaking. And he has to call uh, his friends over, his partners over, and, and, uh, and, and, and so, I mean, I can imagine the guys going over there watching these, these nets just fill up with fish, being like, money, baby, money. This is like, this is the best catch ever. We're going to go all the way to the market with this one, you know? And, and, and so they get over there, and they fill both boats so full of fish that the boats begin to sink. There's an abundance that God has for our lives. When he wants to do something, he's not just going to go, okay, here's your, here's your fish, and I'm talking about an abundance of purpose, an abundance of, of meaning, an abundance of, of a full life that he has for you. He came to give us life to the full. Not just washing nets, one fish, two fish. He wants to do something extraordinary in our lives and in our church. And so both boats were filled.
Simon Peter is completely overwhelmed in this moment because he recognizes something more than just a great catch. His eyes, in fact, go from being on the catch to being on Jesus. You see, some people think that when, when the grace of God is on your life, that you would take the grace of God to see how you can benefit yourself, that it's all about how much money we could make, or it's all about how much we can achieve for ourselves, or it's all about me doing whatever I want to do. But the truth is, is that when God's unmerited favor hits your life, all you can think about is Jesus. All you can think about is being faithful. All you can think about is following in the path that he has. You don't even care about the fish anymore. You don't even care if your boat sinks. Who are you, Lord? I need to know you more. I want to be more intimately acquainted with the wonders of your person. I want to be closer to you. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you've called me to do, Jesus, because his unmerited favor has come into our lives. And Peter, at that moment, he feels overwhelmed by who Jesus is, and he falls on his knees because he recognizes who he is in light of Jesus. And can I tell you, I think this is one of the biggest reasons why people don't come to church or don't want to go to church or turn down invitations to come to church. It's because they feel unworthy. It's because they feel, I don't know if I'm good enough. If, I don't know if I'll measure up. I don't know if I can sign up. I'm already having a hard enough time staying afloat in my own life. I don't know if I can now take on a bunch of religious moral laws on top of that as well. Like, I, I, I'm dealing as well as I can, and I'm going to try and make it on my own. And, 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 and one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, there's a big amount of pride where we try and save ourselves as well and go, I don't really need that. I can kind of make it on my own. We lie to ourselves about it. But one of the things that happens is that people don't sign up for what God has for them because they don't feel worthy. And so listen to what Peter says. I mean, if, if you saw somebody who could, at his word, fill up your, your, your nets with fish, and you are a fisherman, your first kind of response should be, let's be in business. Like, come on, let's make this a daily thing. Like, you'll say, I'll drop the nets. We'll make money. Come on, let's do this thing. Like, let's hang out. Jesus, can we be a, can, we've got Simon and Peter. We'll talk to them. We'll cut them in on the deal. But, um, you know, um, or, or James and John, but Jesus, let's be, let's be business partners. Let's, let's figure out how we can keep this thing going. But what does what is Peter say in this moment, recognizing his own sinfulness? He goes, go away from me. He wants separation between him and God because he feels unworthy of being in God's presence. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man. And the truth is, is that we're all sinners. And God's presence shouldn't be in our lives. None of us should have the opportunity based on our own merits to walk with God or to answer the call of God or to be blessed by God. None of us are good enough. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of His glory. So we're here today not because we're good enough, not because we, we, we've learned how to, how to live the perfect life, not because we're trying to tell other people, this is what you must do. We're here today because we recognize something in Jesus. Peter says, get away from me, Jesus. You, you can't use me. I'm, I, I'm a sinful man. You, you mustn't call me. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not faithful enough. And I believe that this is something that many of us do. 
there are things that God has called you to. And I'm not talking about us. There are things that God has called us to, but there are things that God has called you to. And you've disqualified yourself. You've disqualified yourself. You've said, ah, not really for me. We do that so often. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, how could God use someone like me to do something so great? But notice how Jesus responds. It says, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'm going to do something in your life. You're not called on the basis of your sinlessness. You're called on the basis of my grace. You're called on the basis of my purpose for your life. You're called on the basis of what I am going to do for you on the cross. Jesus spoke to his disciples and he says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I am going to make you the righteousness of God so that you can fulfill every plan and purpose of God for your life. In Matthew 4.19, it says it this way. It says, um, I will make you fishers of men, he says. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not worthy, God. How can you use me? Jesus goes, don't worry. I have a plan for your life. Don't worry. I have a plan for your life. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't rule yourself out. Don't count yourself out. Don't, don't put yourself on the outside. You're not. You're right in the middle of what God wants for you. And it says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They didn't even go to the market with that fish. They didn't even take it and, and sell it. They didn't, they didn't even pick one up for lunch. They just left it all. Because they recognized that what they had in Jesus, that the offer, the call of God, they heard the call. And it was greater than anything that they could have in this world. That's what God does when we hear his voice. It's this divine call. It's based on our faith in Jesus and at the word of God. And he says, let down your nets at that divine calling. We no longer fear our inadequacy. When you hear the call of God, your inadequacy is nothing. It doesn't matter anymore. So don't disqualify yourself. In Colossians 1 verse 28, um, it says this. It says, sorry, 2 verse 18, sorry. He says this, let no one disqualify you. Quickly, just real quick, no one, who does that include? Does, does that include other people? Does it include your friends? Does it include your boss? Does it include your pastor? Does it include your parents? Does it include your family? But most importantly, does it include you? When the Bible says, let no one disqualify you, it's also saying, don't disqualify yourself for what God has for you. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, it says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. This is the confidence. How are we confident towards God in our relationship with God? Not that we are sufficient in our own selves to claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient. He made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, not laws and, and rituals and principles, but of the spirit, because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. A new covenant. 
So when God arrives in your life, it changes everything that you know about yourself. Your limitations mean nothing. Your shortcomings only enhance the glory of God. He uses broken vessels, earthen vessels, filled with heavenly treasure. So this is what I want to encourage you this morning. As God calls us as a church and as he calls you personally, don't be tempted to look at yourself. Just look at Jesus. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just keep your heart set on his faithfulness and his goodness and his presence. And from that point onwards, we are filled with vision for our lives. And we never give up. I remember uh, standing one uh, Sunday morning in front of a, uh, a pastor, a preacher who had a prophetic gift, which means he, he had the ability to hear a specific message from God for my life. And he spoke into my life this prophetic message that morning, and it was, uh, uh, he, he confirmed a lot of things that nobody else really knew. This was a real accurate uh, prophecy that he was speaking into my life. And I remember he looked at me at one point and he said, never give up. Never give up, never give up. Three times he repeated it to me, never give up, never give up, never give up, because my grace is sufficient for you. And we might not have the perfect church, I might not be the perfect leader, we have a lot of things that we're working through, I believe we're a healthy church, not a perfect church, but this is the one thing that I can tell you about us as a church. We're never going to give up. We're never going to stop pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued us. For better or for worse, we're never going to give up. No matter what happens, we stay faithful to fight the good fight. No matter what happens, we stay on the road. And the journey that God has for us, we're never going to give up. And so when we talk about vision, we talk about God's vision, it's really just trust. It's really just being obedient to what God has called us to do. Because our church doesn't have a vision as much as God's vision has a church. God has a vision for the city of Joburg. And in order to live that vision out, he planted a church. And he planted many churches, different churches. It's God's vision that we get to partake of and so our church at a local level has a direction we feel God is leading us in, but ultimately it's God's vision. Ultimately, he's the lead pastor. Ultimately, he is the chief shepherd. Ultimately, he is the one that leads every Sunday and preaches the message and, and, and causes us to experience the presence of God. We're just faithful. And because of what Jesus on the, did for us on the cross, we don't have to work at being righteous. All that's left for us to do is simply be faithful is simply follow him. Is simply leave everything else behind and go, I'm coming after you, Jesus. There's something that God wants to do in this city. And we believe that about our church. We believe that about this city and, and, and possibly other cities in this country and, 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 and all over the world. Who knows where God will take us to in the future? So a little, bit, a little under two years ago, I started to feel this call of God. I started to hear, like, when, when, when Jesus said to Peter, hey, I want you to let down your nets, I started to hear that 
that voice in my heart. And I was like, is this you, Lord? And I drove all the way to Belito just praying for six hours straight and then drove back praying another six hours straight. And I was like, I want to be sure this is you, God. Have any of you ever done that? Am I the only one? And you're like, I think it's you, Jesus. Is it you? You know? Um, but, but I couldn't shake this thing that God had put in my heart to say, I've got something that I want you to do. And so um, at one point I realized this is God. And so I invited a couple of friends, some people that weren't in church at the time or, 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 or had been friends of, of mine for a while. And I said, hey, come over to my house for a bride. And we had 16 people just over two years ago, just under two years ago at my house um, for a bride. And this massive thunderstorm came up and we were all squashed into my little you know, patio, and the, the smoke from the briar was kind of filling the house, and, and it was just this crazy night, and I remember there was this feeling, though, through all of that, there was this sense, God is calling us for something, something's happening here, there's something shifting in, in the spirit, and, and, and we went from the, those, as, as those 16 people, and we sat down, and we said, it's time, let's step out, and let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. At that time, we had no money, like literally, I had no money. Like, no money. Uh, I have three kids, so most of the time I have no money. Um, and uh, we had no money. We had no network. We weren't a part of a network that would plant us if we wanted to plant a church. We had no support at that time. It was just us, 16 in a room, and a call of God. It's like Peter going, hey, man, I have nothing. I've, you know, tried to catch fish all night. I've got nothing to give you. But we felt, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's just trust God. Come on, let this be our, our adventure of faith. We always hear about these adventures that people have been on. Let this be our story. We have a chance to be a part of it. And then we said, so if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. Let's do it all the way. This will be the most important thing we ever do. If we're going to plant a church, if we're going to do something in the city, if we're going to reach people, let's not be small about it. Right? Let's not be half-hearted about it. If what we're fighting for is people to come to know Jesus and be taken from eternal damnation into the kingdom of God, why would we think small? Why would we play it safe? Why would we hedge our bets? No, we're just gonna, we're gonna go for broke. We're gonna leave it all out on the field. We're gonna die for the line. We're gonna make some noise in the city and we're gonna trust God to do miraculous things. And so we sat down and we spoke about the kind of church that we felt that God was calling us to build. And as I was preparing for this message, I found these notes that I wrote down. And I realized I wrote these notes down even before we had our first meeting with those 16 guys, like just as I was hearing the call of God. And I wrote this down. I wrote the date here on the 28th of October, 2014. So this is about six months before we had our first service as a church. And if you'll allow me this morning, I just want to read you real quick what I wrote down, just straight from the heart, and the kind of church that I felt that God was leading us to plant. I said, yeah, these notes represent a dream and a call to see God establish a local church that will reach a city with a powerful message of God's grace. A dream to see an ever-growing, ever-multiplying movement of God that will sweep through our nation and influence people from across the face of the planet. A dream to see people caught up in religious complacency or secular apathy be switched on to the purposes of God for their lives through the gospel. To see relationships mended, families restored, individuals healed, and the lost called home. 
A church that works tirelessly to declare God's love in every broken situation. A church that is switched on to the mission of God, passionate about reaching people, helping the poor, and serving those in need. This is a dream to rethink church and how it operates, to be innovative, creative, and honest in what we do and why we do it. A dream for a church that speaks the language of the people, not high on self-righteousness, but honest. A church that is raw and real, seeking authentic expression of a heartfelt message. A church that makes every attempt, no matter how imperfectly, to be Jesus to a city. A church that is governed biblically with Jesus as the lead pastor and shepherd and elders who love and care for the people. A church with few policies and many conversations, making for a good place to work, a creative environment to dream and to do. A group of friends using what God has given them to be a part of something greater. Jesus must be the center. Everything we do, say, and present must ultimately point to him. We want to show people his face, introduce them to the reality of his love, and encourage them to trust in him with all of their hearts. This is a dream to see a community of people who are united in the message of Christ's complete and perfect sacrifice for us on the cross as something that frames our worship, informs our service, and empowers our mission. A dream to see people established, equipped, and encouraged in the gospel and in their calling. To see young people raised, discipled, and sent. This is a dream to see a large church, large in heart, large in purpose, large in presence, established as a work of God in this generation. A church that has a vision larger than its own campus, that is kingdom-minded and committed to working with other local churches, to standing with other leaders, and to sending out young leaders to plant more churches. This is a dream and an opportunity to be a co-worker of Christ, and to give our lives to something greater than ourselves, something that will raise leaders and inspire others to embark on a journey with Jesus. For me personally, I see this as a pursuit of that for which Christ has pursued me. Something my boys can be inspired by as they watch their dads say yes to Jesus. I pray and will continue to pray that God by his grace will allow me to witness his faithfulness as he exceeds every thought or dream that I could ever have in order to see him glorified in our city and our nation and our world. This is it. This is our turn to run. <laughs> Keeping it together. Um. Twenty-one months later, <laughs> we're here. And before I say anything else, like we're just so grateful to God because we're living the dream, right? We're a part of something that is blowing us away and we're hearing the stories and we're hearing the testimonies. And we know that this dream has only just begun. And it might be difficult to see right now. Like When Jesus told Peter to drop the nets on, he was like, okay, I'm a fisherman. I do this for a living. And I, I just can't see how this is going to work, but at your word. 
And it might be difficult to see right now, but I'm telling you, this will be a church that will shape a city. Because it's what God wants. It's because it's what He has decreed. It's because it's what He has called us to. It's because of what He has led us into. And we are so grateful that He chose us to be a part of it. And if you're sitting here today, He chose you to be a part of it as well. <laughs> We're a group of friends, friends who want to do something in this city. And that's why we do what we do. That's why I get up every Sunday morning. I get up every morning. I, I, I do what, whatever needs to be done. We do whatever it takes to see people step into the fullness of what God has for them. And so here, coming into 2017, uh, we, we, we start this year off, and, and I already felt God speak to me in my ear, telling me just like, this is the way, walk in it. And he told me, and I really felt this from God, that this is a year of growth for us. That this is a year that God will stretch our capacity. That this is a year that God will stretch our influence. That this is a year that God will stretch our faith. And we're going to see him do extraordinary things.